Hey, River Valley. Uh, Beck and I have enjoyed our sabbatical and being away and uh, having that time of refreshing. And we are so glad that we get back just in time for Easter weekend. Uh, we wouldn't miss that. And we're so glad that we get to celebrate it together. And if I could say this, please invite somebody for next weekend. Uh, it's Easter. They're open. They want to be a part of something. And uh, it'd be a great opportunity for you to have a friend there. We'll be back ready to preach and uh, celebrate with our home church. We're just so excited for this. And uh, one more week to go. And on this last weekend, I brought in a really good friend of mine, Pastor Chris Hodges. He and his wife, Tammy, started an amazing church called Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. Matter of fact, we got to help start it and be a part of it from the ground up. And uh, now they're running tens of thousands. They are leading the way in multi-site. Chris is a sought-after speaker, pastor, author in high demand. And I said, this is the day we'd love to have you. Could you please close out my sabbatical? And uh, he graciously said yes. And I want you to open up your hearts to what Pastor Chris Hodges has to say. Uh, Welcome him to River Valley Church. All right. Thank you. Appreciate that. Come on, give Jesus a better hand clap, everybody. Come on. Oh, that's pretty good. Now give him what he deserves, everybody. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. What a joy it is to be here. And I'm thrilled that I get to kind of be the John the Baptist to prepare the way for Pastor Rob to get back, you know. And yeah, I mean, let me say a couple things about that. And first is um, uh, thank you for letting him. You know, that's... um, Uh, That's very, very wise of you to realize that not everything that is doable is sustainable. And I train a lot of pastors, and a lot of pastors are doing things that they can do, but they can't keep doing and stay healthy. And the fact that uh, this church and the elders and Pastor Rob and Becca had the wisdom to say, hey, we want to keep doing this as long as we can and do it with a lot of health and strength is a gift to you. And so congratulations uh, on, on that. And, and I'm, I'm just thrilled too that, uh, uh, you know, I know he's actually, he's actually officially done with his sabbatical and is, is now, you know, meeting with some of the team and the elders and planning and preparing and getting ready to preach next week. And I thought probably the best way for me to kind of set all that up since Easter is the greatest day in history is to bring a message to you that really I, I think is in, is in my, is in my wheelhouse as far as uh, something that God's gifted me in, and that is in evangelism. And I was one of those guys that grew up that I was, I, I, was, I hated all the, the, the tactics and the things that people did. They told me to, you know, hand out things or, or give out tracts or go door to door. Couldn't stand all of that. And honestly, I stayed far away from it. And, and really, have, uh, I believe the Lord's shown me a way that makes it doable for all of us. And I just want to share some of that with you today. Kind of let you get to know me a little bit. Um, um, I, I'm from South Louisiana. I'm a Cajun, everybody, all right? And uh, let me tell you what that means. And that means you may not learn anything. We're going to have a good time, all right? So, <laughs> so there, are, there are nine reality shows on television right now about Cajuns. And it's been because they're smarts because they're fun, all right? So, so uh, let me just let you know that. And I'm also, I've been married. I've been married 30 years this May, everybody. Yeah, how about that? And so, yeah, that hand clap should go to my wife. Congratulations to her. And so for hanging in there all these years. And we have five kids, and I do realize that's a lot. And so I always get a little bit of a reaction mostly. And, and I always tell people I don't have, I don't have five kids because I like kids because I really don't. I have five kids because I like my wife. Come on, somebody. So um, and that's a different message, but it's an important one. So 
I can come back and give it to you. I have stuff to say. So anyway, um, I want you to open your Bibles with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. So get your, your Bibles or your iPhone or your iPad or your eyelids. You can put it on the screen. We'll get, we have it there for you. All right. So in uh, John chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 27, but I want to set it up. Uh, this is a story that a lot of people are familiar with. If you've been in church at any length of time, the woman at the well story. Uh, where Jesus and the disciples are separated for, we don't know really how long, but obviously the disciples had gone on an errand to, to get some stuff done. And Jesus by himself didn't happen very often, but now he's a little thirsty, shows up at a water, watering hole, a well, and there's a lady there and he strikes up a conversation. And that would be very odd for a couple of reasons. One is, is men in that day didn't talk to women because they actually thought they were a whole lot better than them. And Jesus smashes right through that gender barrier and and does not follow suit. And then, and then not only was she a woman, but she was a Samaritan woman. And there were huge racial tensions between Samaritan and Jews. And, once, and now he busts through the racial tensions. Don't you love Jesus today, everybody? Just, he's wonderful in so many ways. Smashes right through those gender and racial barriers and talks to this lady by asking her questions. And, and, and that's exactly kind of in a way what he does to us every time we come to church. He's saying, hey, what about this? And isn't it about time you let me? And he basically follows suit with that. And he says, he says tell me about, tell me about your, your husband. She goes, oh, I'm not married. And he goes, right, actually you've had five husbands and you're actually living with a guy now. And she, say, she says, sir, I perceivest thou to be a prophet. And uh, she realizes uh, he's reading her mail and knows that he can only do that through God and considers the fact that he probably could be God. And then he throws in this statement, and I've got water you can drink, but you'll never thirst again. And he offers refreshing to the soul, something that he's offering to every one of you today as well, by the way, where every place where you hurt and every place where you're dry, he can give you water to your soul. That's what he always offers first. And, um, and, and about that time, we pick up verse 27. Most, most preach that passage and kind of stop there. I think the, the fun part of the story comes up next. And I see a lot of humor in the Bible. I hope you do too. Um, it says, just then, so while this is happening, this interaction is happening, just then, verse 27 says, the disciples returned from their errand that they were running and they were surprised to find him talking to a woman for the reasons I already told you. And, 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 and then John adds some things that didn't happen. Now, if you're, if you're writing an account of a story, you, don't, you really don't include stuff that didn't happen. So let me tell the story, but let me tell you what didn't happen. Now, why would, why would, you, do, why would you add details that didn't happen unless the details that didn't happen actually matter? Let me say it this way. Or that the details that didn't happen, he wished they would have happened. And, and you guys do know this, that, that the Bible wasn't written by men. It was written by God himself through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Man had just the pen in his hand. So that means these details matter. Can I get a better amen somebody? All right, they, like, they really matter. So let's, let's look at what didn't happen. Uh, John says, but no one asked, Lord, what do you want? So which, to which you probably should have said, if you're a disciple and you realize he's God, and like you're in the servant role of this rabbi, this teacher, God, Jesus, uh, it's like, that's probably something you would say as often as you saw him. Hey, Lord, anything I can get for you? I mean, I, I, mean I'm, I am far from God, and I've been asked that a hundred times by the River Valley team since I've been here. Oh, Pastor Chris, can I get you anything? How about, would you like something to drink? No, thank you. How about coffee? Like I said, no, that's fine. Uh, but how, I mean, I don't choose to, right? Over here, don't, you know, like, I've been asked that the whole time I've been here. Is there anything I can get for you? Why? Because it's just nice. It's what you do. And no one did that. So why would John mention what didn't happen? Then he says, no one asks, Lord, what do you want? And no one asks, why were you talking to the woman? 
Because remember, they were surprised to find him talking to a woman. So if you're the disciple, you're the student, he's the teacher, and you see something you don't understand, you ask, right? He's like, what's up with that? Why, why are you doing that? And they, and they didn't. They didn't because they didn't care about what Jesus had to say or want at that moment. They only cared about themselves at that moment. And that's the point of this story. And you gotta catch that to really catch those details. So no one asked. So we got these non-things not happening. And it says, then, well, so while these things are not happening, then leaving the water jar, the woman went back to her town. Now, don't let that confuse you. The town doesn't mean another city. The town is like literally around the corner because all this is gonna happen in a matter of minutes. So she went back to her village, her place, had to have been just a couple of hundred yards away at the most. And they went back to her town and she said to the people, come see a man who told me, he read my mail. Come see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the one that can refresh your soul? Hey, come see this guy. He's still there over, over at the well. And, and they came out of the town. So now they're coming. And I want you to picture that in your mind. So Jesus and the disciples are still at the well. And now a town is coming. My mind pictures a hundred people. I don't know how many it is. It doesn't tell us. But I see the woman at the front of this pack of people saying, hey, is this the Christ? And she's like, here, here, come on. Okay, so I want you to picture, you gotta, gotta see this. So the town's coming. Let's imagine there's 50 yards. They're, they're close. They're, they're getting close. And while they're coming out to the place where actually Jesus and John, obviously they could all see it. They knew they were coming. Watch what happens next. This is hilarious to me. I hope you see the humor in it. They came out of the town toward him. And meanwhile, so while that's going on, the disciples said, Rabbi, let's go to lunch. Let's go eat something, right? You see that? And boy, if you've ever missed a moment, man, they were missing it. Not only did they not ask him what he wants, not only did they not ask him, Hey, give us a teaching moment to something we don't understand. Now, while a whole town is coming out to find out if he is God or not, they want to go to P.F. Chang's. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it's just crazy to me, all right? So, Rabbi, let's eat something. But he said to them, I have food. So, this, he, so Jesus does something here that he often does, and that is if you bring up a topic, he'll use that topic as a metaphor to teach you spiritual truth. So they brought up food, so he uses a food as a metaphor, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. In other words, I don't want to go to P.F. Chang's. That town coming out is the food I want to eat. This is what I'm here for. And watch what they say next. Again, I hope you see the humor in the Bible. We have, have food to eat that you know nothing about. And the disciples said to each other, did he already eat? Did you already eat? Like, like, I mean, like, mm, they I mean, totally missing it. So you're, 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 you're not. No, I'm really proud of you. This is. This is great drama. I mean, this, the Bible is really exciting if you'll read it. Why do drugs when you can do scripture? Come on, somebody. I mean, it's fabulous. All right. So, and the disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? And then Jesus tries round number two of using the metaphor to explain what he's, something spiritual. And he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the work. So the reason I exist, what, what, what satisfies me is, is doing what I was supposed to do on this planet. I want to stop right there and say, nothing will satisfy you. There's not a meal. There's not a vacation. There's not a beach. There's not a... There's not a hobby. Nothing will fully satisfy you until you do what you were created to do on this planet. That's a fact. You, go ahead and try. You'll be back. Because it'll scratch the itch a little bit, but it'll never totally fulfill you until you're doing my food. What fully satisfies me is to do what I was called to do on this planet. And he says, you guys keep saying, do you not say four months more, then let's harvest. Let's don't harvest. Let's Let's go to lunch now. We, we can talk to those people later. 
You keep saying four months more, then we'll do harvest. And then he says, I tell you, look at the screen. Read the next three words aloud, everybody. I tell you, open your, come on, every voice. Try it. I tell you, open. Open your eyes. So the, he, he brings it down to the crux of the matter. I've entitled this message simply, Open Your Eyes. He brings it down to the crux of the matter. And that's the reason why you want to go to lunch instead of talking to the town. And the reason why you didn't really care what I want. And the reason why you didn't see that as a teachable moment to find out while I was talking to a woman is that you're not seeing things right. You don't see things right. Jesus says you, you've, you've got a spiritual condition that actually the Bible actually talks about. It's, it's actually the word is actually used in 2 Peter and that is nearsightedness. You're, 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 you're only thinking about yourself. I'm actually nearsighted. Uh, I wear glasses, as you can see. I'm fairly new to them. Um, I had perfect eyesight for most of my life. I'm 52, around 44, 45. Notice that my eyes, um, I noticed that I couldn't see things far away. And, um, and, and really, it just, it didn't, it, it, I didn't notice it at first because everything around me is really clear. Like, I don't need my glasses to, to see to read. So most people would have to because of reading. And so I never noticed it because everything that matters to me is what's close to me. And the things that are matter to me are already clear. So I don't really care about the stuff that's far away from me. So, so, but I, I was at a football game watching my guys, my boys play, and I couldn't see the, the names on the back of the jerseys. My sister handed me her glasses and said, hey, check this out. And I'm like, wow, my whole world came in high def again. And it, it was awesome. So I uh, went to the eye doctor and I'd never been. Uh, if you've never been, uh, it's, it's strange the first time you go uh, because you go there because you can't see and, and, they, and the first thing they do is blind you even more. I mean, you really can't see. They put stuff in your eyes and you, you're like, and the dude gets way too close to your face. Like, dude, get a mint or back up. You know, it's like, and, and, and then you've got, you blow, they blow in your eye. They blow in my eye, they blow air in my eye. It's like, dude, what was that? Because a glaucoma check. It's like, warn our brother next time, you know. So they do all kind of stuff, and and then he said to me, he says, uh, he says, we got you figured out. And I'm going there because I've, I've got far problems. My problems are, I can't. And he says, we got you, we got you figured out. He says, you're nearsighted. I said, no, 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 no. I got my problems are the far stuff. I got far, far issues, not near issues. He goes, no, that's what we call it, and it's the only medical profession that names your condition for what you're good at. It's like going to the doctor with a broken arm and he says, well, your legs work. I mean, it's stupid. Anyway, that's another point. So they should call it what it is anyway. So I said, oh, so he explained that to me. And, um, and I'm driving out and the Holy Spirit speaks to me and, and says, you know, that's your spiritual condition too. That you're really good at the stuff close to you and you're not responsible for that which you cannot see. Because if I can't see you, I don't have to worry about you. I don't, and Jesus says, that's your disciples, that's your problem. And remember, we are the disciples. That's your problem is that if you can't see the big picture, the town, all you'll worry about is what's good for you. So I've just come here from, from South Louisiana, my church in Alabama, everybody. And I'm just a Southern, Southern guy that simple, you know, just to tell you that, that you can't, can't we got to make sure that we don't make decisions that are just good for us. So like Easter is not a day that's just good for Christians. You know why it's not? Because 84% of unchurched people will say yes to an invitation on Easter. Like, and they want the other 52, 51 Sundays. Like that's the, be, it's the best chance to get the yes is, is this coming Sunday. And if there's ever a time for us not to see lunch and to see the town, it's this week. 
We've got to see it. Come on, everybody. We've got to open our eyes. We've got to see it. We've got to see, we've got to see this. So what do we see? Let me give you just three. It's very simple. This, I'm, I'm, my, my goal was not to, to, deep, to deep you. I can, I can deep you into total confusion right now, okay? We can go deep. Um, I, w- I want to give you something that's actually useful. I want to give you something that, that you can leave here and do this week. And that is I want you to open your eyes to the fact that you are God's plan. You've got you to open your eyes to God. God has a plan to reach planet Earth. I don't know if you know that or not. And you ready for this? You're it. And he doesn't have a plan B. So let me say it this way. The only way Minneapolis-St. Paul will ever know God is his church. Like the local church like, literally is the hope of the world. God will not inflate himself into some giant, go sit on top of one of those tall buildings downtown and say, be saved. No, we're, we're his plan. This is it. Ephesians 3, 3.10 says it this way, that God's intent was now through the church, his entire manifold full wisdom be made known. Like he, he's trying to make himself known now through us. We're, we're his plan. Like we're the plan. And if I know I'm the plan, that kind of changes how I live my life now because I'm part of God's plan. You got to know you're it's like, no, 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 no. That's, that's Pastor Rob. When he gets back, it's even going to get better. He, he's the plan. You know, we'll, 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 we'll show up and we'll give and we'll do that part. Now that's all that's important, but like you're part of the plan too. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5 says that we, not pastors like the church, we are Christ's representatives, ambassadors, as though Christ were making his appeal through us. So God has something he wants to say to planet Earth, and he's going to say it through me and you. And I'm not trying to get heavy. I'm not a heavy type preacher. I'm not a, you know, kind of a guy. But if I get heavy just for, if you'll allow me 30 seconds of heavy, I mean, there's verses that say, if we don't sound the alarm, the blood of the people around us are on our hands. That's pretty heavy. I don't know. It just changes how I live if I know. And I'm trying to change how you live because I want you to know that the people around you, like your classmates, your, your, your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends, your family, the people close to you, you're the plan. <laughs> and there's not a plan B. We, we open our eyes to that. And we join the search committee. Years ago, about eight years ago, I lost, we lost uh, my youngest son, Joseph. Uh, we were on a vacation and he's missing. In fact, we were, we were, uh, we were actually vacationing. Um, we had gone skiing with the whole family. And, and um, can I just tell you, uh, anything times seven is a lot of money, especially skiing. Anyway, we were there and we, were, we had a great time. We skied a couple of days and we decided so to use the last day just to walk around the village in, in, in Vail, Colorado. I lived in Colorado seven years. Um, and, and, and although beautiful, it can be dangerous. We actually had a girl abducted from um, our, her home after she came home from school before her parents got home from work. A guy actually came into her house kidnapped her and they found her dental remains on a satanic halter in the, in the mountains. So I'm missing Joseph. Now we were actually, in fact, I brought a picture because I actually went back um, this past year and took a picture of the spot. Um, I got, show them the picture. So we were in that Starbucks to the left. And when we went in, we were with two other families. We went into that Starbucks and Joseph, my youngest, who by the way is autistic, uh, went into the bathroom, didn't tell us. Now we're with about 20 people all together. And when we came out, we saw marble slab creamery and we decided, let's go in there now. So we decided we were going to eat our way down the street. Come on, somebody. All right. <laughs> so we were going to, so Joseph comes out of the Starbucks. You can take it down now. To, and, and we're not there, but he goes the other way. 
And he can't really communicate well. You know, he's brilliant, but he can't communicate well. And we realize in a matter of minutes, he's gone. And I'm telling you, the panic that ensued, it was the most painful thing, honestly, I've ever experienced in my entire life. Because I'm thinking about this Heather girl that I, that out of our youth group, I, I'm, I'm freaking out. And so I found a security guard and he's leaning up against the building, hands in pockets, gun, radio. He's there and I'm like, sir, sir, you gotta help me, you gotta help me. And he goes, uh, never took his hands out of his pockets. Oh, did you look the last place you saw him? Can I confess my sins right here in church, everybody? Like, <laughs> Because my next response wasn't the, wasn't the most godly. You know, I was like, dude, you're the one with the radio. Help a brother out. I, mean, I was so upset. I was irritated by his inactivity because something of value to me was missing. Now, let me tell you about missing things. When, you, when, you're, when you've lost something, you don't think about your found stuff. There's never a moment that you do an inventory of found things. Like there was never a moment that I thought, I have four other kids. You know, 80% ain't bad. You know, you never think that. Never. You don't even really care about your found things. I didn't even really care about my other kids in that moment. I was distracted by that which is lost. You, it's all you can think about. And if one of my kids would have come up to you and said, hey, Daddy, what, what, what are we going to do for dinner tonight? Are you serious? Won't you help me find Joseph? And can you imagine what it might look like from God's perspective? Hey, hey, Father God, because all we see is the stuff that's close to us, just right here. Hey, hey, what about this? You know, I have this this week and I have this. Are you serious? I mean, he cares. Make, make no mistake about it. He cares about every detail of your life and he definitely cares about the near. But it's clear in scripture too that he will leave 99 of you that he has found just to go search for that one that is lost. He is distracted just like any good father by that which is lost. And just like I was grateful for those who helped me find Joseph that day, and we found him 40 minutes later, the most grueling 40 minutes of my life. And it, that, it marked me. It changed me forever when I found, we found him. And I was so grateful for those who helped me find him that day. Jesus says the same thing. If you help me, if you'll go into all the world and preach that gospel, lo, I will be with you always. I'll get close to you in a way you've never known. See, the truth is a lot of our Christian life is just about us. In fact, you can always tell if you're spiritually nearsighted by what you pray for. <laughs> so let me say it this way. If God answered all your prayers, would it change the world or change you? Well, I know what it would do me because there's a gravitational pull to selfishness, isn't there? I mean, for all of us, I mean, I'm, I'm included in that. And it happened to the disciples who lived with him. They wanted to go to lunch with a whole town coming out. So God, let heal us from that. Realize we're part, we, we didn't exist for lunch, we existed for the town. We don't exist to be River Valley Church. We exist for the greater Minneapolis, St. Paul area. Come on, somebody say amen right there. We don't exist for us. We exist for the people who aren't here yet. And let us never forget that. Second thing, we open up our eyes. We gotta open our eyes to people, especially lost people, especially hurting lost people. Like you gotta see them. So Jesus was a great seeker of people. So he would walk through towns and he didn't just like, here I am, I am Jesus and touch me. You know, no, no, he was, look, the Bible says he just, he would look and the Bible says there was a, he was walking in one town and this little guy, short guy, I've been short my whole life. Short people got nobody. Anyway, short people, you know, just short guy. And, and I'm actually five foot nine and shrinking actually. Anyway, so I'm going the opposite direction now. And little Zacchaeus couldn't see because he was, he, was, he was not noticeable. He was just a short guy. And so he climbed this tree and Jesus comes by and notices him. And, never, and he never says, Zacchaeus, 
Repent of your sin, you thief. And he was a thief. He was stealing from people. He says, hey, Zacchaeus, let's go to lunch. Seriously? And, the, and it says the religious people muttered. said, look at this guy. He's going to eat with sinners. And Jesus went and just loved people so much. We don't know what happened at lunch. It doesn't tell us. I wish it did. I'd have loved to be in that lunch because Zacchaeus came out giving back multiplied times what he had stolen to people. His life had been changed in just over a lunch. And then this beautiful saying, when, when the crowd was still muttering that he had done that, Jesus says in Luke 19, 10, the son of man came to seek and to save. Let me say it this way. You can't get people saved unless you first seek after them. Let me say it this way. Like Easter won't be its full potential unless this week we take these little cards that we've gotten, this little Easter cards, and we say, Lord, who? Who? Help me, Lord, this week. Pray every day. Take it to work, to school, to just, Lord, this week, show me somebody. And, and, and for heaven's sakes, don't put it on windshields and shove it in mailboxes. That does not help the cause, everybody, all right? No, just a person. Lord, find a person that's hurting. Find somebody who's going through something in life. And hey, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to the Friday night. I'm going to the Saturday. Or meet, meet me at the 945 on, on Sunday. We'll sit together. And, and, and when Pastor Rob says, every head bowed, every eye closed, peek. I'm giving you permission. Head bowed and one eye closed. See what your friend's going to do. Come on, somebody. And it'll be the best service you've ever attended in your life. I promise you. To have an unchurched person there hearing the gospel truth, the, the, the bridge to the other side of your story. Because people know that they're on some side and that's not what, how they're supposed to live. And Pastor Rob's going to show how Jesus bridges to the, other, the real side, the side they should be living, the side everybody wants. To, come on, somebody. And he's had three and a half months to prepare. Lord Jesus, ought to be good, all right? <laughs> That's right. Come on, it's going to be great. It's what it's going to be. So here's the third thing. So now we've got to open our eyes. We have to open our eyes to the opportunities that are around us. So here's what, here's, so God, if you make the decisions, listen to me, if you make the decision that, okay, I am part of the plan, that's my responsibility. Accept, hey church, accept the responsibility. And then actively look and love people. Look, just I'm a seeker of people, people who are in the station of life. Now God gets involved. And here's what God will do. Just trust me on this. It'll happen to you this week. He'll create a divine intersection where your life and somebody else's life on purpose happens. Like it's, it's a, it's a, it's a it's, we call it divine appointments is what Christians call it. It's just, it's just only God could have set it up. And so the Bible says in 1 Peter, always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. So now I'm just ready. I don't have to have a theological argument. I just have to be ready. Listen, this is the beauty of this. I have to be ready to say what he did in my life. One of the best things I ever learned about evangelism isn't telling, evangelism not telling people what's wrong with them. It's telling them what happened to you. So that's why it says we're to be witnesses. Witnesses don't, we don't, we're not, we're not judge. We're not jury. We're the witness. Don't, don't, don't judge them. Don't convict them. Just tell them your story. Can I tell you the difference God's made in my life? Share your stories. The most beautiful thing. Our message is not turn or burn, everybody. Our message is, can I tell you the difference God's made in my life? Several years ago, I was um, traveling to Boston to speak for a friend. 
So I'd flown Birmingham to Cincinnati, Cincinnati uh, to, to Boston. And when I got on the Cincinnati plane, I've got to land and speak. So, so I, I was going to catch a quick little nap on the plane. I had a window seat. The person traveling with me had a different seat further back. And we, anyway, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just, I'm going I'm I'm to catch a quick nap. So I'm, the plane's still boarding. And I'm thinking if I'll go ahead and get a nap posture before the person that's going to sit next to me shows up, I won't take the risk of them actually talking to me. You know what I'm saying? Isn't that very godly? Praise the Lord for that. All right. So, so I get in that posture, but I'm still awake, but I got to fake it because I don't want them to start, you know, and that's, and then I go ahead and claim my half of the armrest, right? So you got like, cause you got the shared one and you got to go front seats or back seats. You got to pick which one, you know, like, and so I claim my part and I'm laying there and, 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 and now, and people are boarding and, but I'm peeking because have you ever, you ever assessed people as they come on and then your prayer life improves saying, oh, Father, please not them. In Jesus' name, praise the Lord. Like, Come on, you've done it too. Don't lie right there. This is, this is church. Don't lie right now, right? So I'm doing that. That's really holy. Praise the Lord for that. And so, and, um, and I get my guy and it's, it, it, you know, it's, I'm, I'm happy with him because he's, he's pretty well dressed, starch white shirt, a sport coat khaki pants, looking like a business guy, puts his briefcase in the overhead bin right above, throws his newspaper in the chair next to me. I'm like, this is my guy, but I can't, I can't say anything because I'm in nap posture, you know, and he takes his coat off and hits me with it. Like he didn't know it, but he pop. And I'm thinking, oh, my. but I can't, I can't say anything because then he'll talk to me, right? So, and he plops down in the chair and he pushes my arm off the armrest. I know but I can't say anything or he'll talk to me, but I have to let him know I'm disgusted with that, you know? And so I went, and I just pulled my arm over like, like, you know, just like, like that ain't cool, dude. You know, what's up with that? And so, but I can't talk to him. So anyway, so the plane takes off and he elbows me in my ribs and says, so what do you do for a living? Now I'm just gonna tell you as a pastor, when you get asked that question, you gotta decide if you're gonna lie or not. You really do. And so I said, well, I, I'm a pastor. No lie, he starts doubled over, boo-hoo crying, like real loud, not tears, hoo-hoo, the whole plane can hear it. And, I, and I'm gonna be very honest with you, my, my next thought was, well, there goes the nap, counseling session. <laughs> I'm like, oh man. I said, all right, what's wrong, man, what's wrong? And, I know it's terrible. I'm, I'm confessing my sins right here at River Valley. And, and, and he said, he said, um, he said he just buried his best friend in Cincinnati, 50, 50 something years old. His, his best friend came home from work. His little girl ran out to greet him and he lifted up his little girl and he had a massive heart attack and his little girl fell on top of him. Like he's telling me this horrible story. And I just, and he's like, I'm never going to see him again. I'm never, I didn't get to tell him goodbye. And like, he's really upset, really upset. And, and, and he had told me his name was Billy. And so I put my arm around him. And I said, well, Billy, dude, it's going to be all right, man. And I'm thinking, I'm going through the files, trying to find a verse, something, you know. And they, I, get, I get my verse. It's in 1 Thessalonians 4. It says, we grieve, Christians grieve. Like when you lose somebody, we, we all, I cry. But I don't cry like that because I get to see them again. The Bible says it this way. We grieve, but not like the rest of men who have no hope. So I'm going to give him that verse. I said, well, Billy, the Bible says, he goes, no, 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 don't go there. I'm like, why not? He goes, I'm Jewish. I said, Jesus was a Jew. He goes, all right, go ahead. Hey, it happened. I, 
I promise you I'm not making that up. That's the truth. It really happened that way. So try it, you know. So anyway, and, um, and he goes, go ahead. So I said, I said, well, the Bible says the reason you're grieving so hard is you never get to see him again. I said, the Bible says we grieve, Christians grieve, but not like you because we have hope. And then he said, well, how do you get the hope? I mean, he teed it up for me. If you can't hit that ball, you can't play. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, whoa, <laughs> it's like, all right, let's go. You know, so I mean, that was, that was as easy as it gets. And so from Cincinnati to Boston, I explained the gospel to him and how, how Jesus came to bridge the divide between he and God, that there's a barrier between. See, and you, some of you in this room feel it. Like, you know, you love God, but he's far because there's something in the way. And Jesus came, by the way, on the cross. We celebrate here on Palm Sunday that what he did on the cross. He came just to destroy the divide just to get you close again. And when you're close, you have hope. And so the plane lands. And I said, I thought my job honestly was at that point just to, I got him on third base. Somebody else will knock him in later. You know, like I, I got him close. I didn't even think about closing the deal. So we're like, all right, man, we're in the terminal now at Logan International. I said, all right, man, well, it was really good to meet you. He goes, no, you can't leave me till I get the hope. I'm like, well, Billy, you're going to have to confess Jesus. Like, you don't want to do that here, do you? And uh, he goes, man, yeah, I'm ready. And he knew enough to close his eyes. He stuck out his hands. Like, all right. There's hundreds of people going back. I just grabbed his hands right there in the middle of the terminal. And Billy from Boston prayed to receive Jesus as his Lord. And when he said amen, he goes, oh, you're right. I have the hope. I said, I told you. Then he reached for his wallet. He goes, man, this is good stuff. What do I owe you? And he grabbed it like, no, that is not how this works, my man. I said, there's a verse that says it's free. I can't charge you. You know, like it's, it's free. He goes, man, no, I got to do something for you. I said, no, no, no. He was insistent. Like, Man, he goes, how many, you got kids? I said, yeah. He goes, I'm a, I'm a very wealthy, uh, he owned a chain of toy stores in Boston. He goes, like, I'll let, can I, I got I to gotta send you stuff. Like, no, sir, you're not doing that. And, and he, said, um, he, said, he said, look, I have to do something. I said, Billy, it's not necessary. It was my honor. He goes, I was best man at Dennis Eckersley's wedding, the great Hall of Fame relief pitcher for the Red Sox. He said, can, can I send, he said, how many boys do you got? I said, four. He goes, can I at least send you four hand-signed baseball cards with just a note to say thank you, this changed my life. I said, all right. So, in fact, I, sh I got the, show him the card. I brought, I brought one, that's, that's, that's the actual card. He sent me four that I've never given to my boys. Ha! So there you go. <laughs> kind of feels good to get that off my chest in church. I want y'all to know that. <laughs> anyway, there are three, here's what I did. I filed three of them. They're in a file, and, I, and I, I keep one. If you went on my desk right now, on my desk is the card, and it's there to remind me that the nap was good for me, not napping was good for Billy. Because I have, I'm just gonna tell you the truth, I was disgusted to have to talk to him at first. Because there's a gravitational pull in every side of one of us, inside of every one of us to selfishness. I'm not trying to be ugly it's just true if we didn't have a message like this we'd just show up next week that's fine but it's really not fine because the truth is you don't get Easter but one weekend a year you don't get the best chance to get a yes but one weekend a year so why not why not just open your eyes and ask God God give me an intersection with at least one person 
And I double dog dare you to have an unchurched person sitting next to you this week. You'll go to church like you're like, you'll, you'll, you'll pray harder than you ever prayed. You'll, you'll think, oh, that worship team better get it right this week. And you'll, you're like, that greeter should, oh, oh, they better be nice. This is my week. They, like, you'll feel church at a different level. Open your eyes, River Valley. They're ready. The fields are ripe for harvest. Father, thank you for this amazing week. Thank you for this amazing church. And they get it. They give to missions. They, 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 they're making a difference. But Lord, this week, let us see people the way you do. God, help us to get our eyes off of us and get our eyes on the town that's coming out to sea. So Lord, use this this week. I pray God for record numbers of people coming to church next weekend. Lord, for just literally scores of people giving their heart to Jesus this coming week. Never the same, never the same, never the same. Every head bowed, every eye closed in this room. Before I hand it back over to campus pastor here, how many of you would say, Chris, I don't think I have the hope. I, I feel that distance. I've met Christians who've been in church their whole life who still sense that distance. And you're one heartfelt prayer away from that barrier being destroyed and you and God being made close.